Welcome back for another week. Our learning is dedicated to Ule Nishmat Rivka Badyakov Alevi, Lucy Maya, and Rina D. Our full year sponsors, Naomi and Yitzi Hallander, for a complete refuel for all Cholim, Michelle and Gary Friedman, in memory of Hannah Malka, Bad David, and Refuel for Rachel Neril Hinda, Bat Miriam Rivka. Our half year sponsor, Refuel Shlema for Menucha Tova, Bat Shoshana Chava Devora. Spotify sponsor, Refuel Shlema for all those injured in Eretz Yisrael. And we have in mind the Rufuah Shlema for Yedidi Chaim ben Aviv Rebbe Chaya, Bracha Vigava, Chalgiva, Tehiva Batya, Ben Chaya Tovan, Shimon ben Elka, and Shadokhim for all those in need. Welcome to our new followers. Um, thank you so much for joining us as we continue with Shmuel Aleph, Parag Bet. The, the beginning of it. So those of you that have been here for uh, the ride know that biblical poetry is not something that I enjoy teaching. It's not something that I really understand. And so I kind of once again was confronted with what are we going to do with the fact that we have a long uh, bit of biblical poetry at the beginning. We have Shirat Chana, the Song of Chana. We read it in Rosh Hashanah as the Haftorah. And, and it's hard. The words are not easy to understand. So I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a page from how we dealt with Shirat Devorah back in Sefer Shoftim. And that is that we'll, we'll look at it big global terms, but we're not going to take a look at every single possible word for word. That part is very tough and technical, but let's take a look at it in general. Chana finally gets what she wants. She's been asking for a child. She's been hoping for a child. She's been dreaming for a child. And now the child finally has come. And it's amazing because at the end of Parak Aleph, we know that she actually gives up this child. There's a sacrifice of sorts that she says this child is Shaul Hashem. It is given over to God. This is not her child that she's going to deal with. The child, rather, is going to be belonging to, to Hashem, belonging to the Mikdash. And she starts off the Shira of Chana. It starts at Titpalel Chana Davins Vatomar. And she says, she's dying. This is a tefillah. What does she say? Alats libi bahashem. What does it mean? Alats libi bahashem. So it's my heart is overjoyed to God. The Radak says that what does it mean? Alats libi bahashem. Hit palalach lifne hashem. She davens before God. And she gives him thanks for this child that she has been given. Hit palalach hashem that he should live and he should be to God. One could get a gift and then the gift is gone. She's saying, I don't want that to happen. I want Shmuel, my child, to be there for you, God. And he'll be successful and he'll live a long life for you. Yonatan, says the Radak, says it's there's an element, component, of Nevoah here. Now, according to the Radak, and based on our expectations, Chana just waited all these years, has this kid, and now we're waiting to hear, what is Shira's Chana going to be? What is going to be the core, the thrust, the message of it? We can only imagine that it would sound something like this. I thank you, Hashem. Right, that's what it should be. It should be so full of thanksgiving to God. That's what you would think. The focus is, I waited. I got. Who did I get? 
I got Shmuel. And what's going to be with Shmuel? He's consecrated to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what you would think would be the thrust of it. So now let's take a look at some of the some of the phrases and see. Maybe that's not exactly the the the, the idea that she conveys. Rachav pi al oivai ki simachti bishuatecha. My mouth has widened against my enemies because I rejoice in my salvation. Hmm. It doesn't sound like a Thanksgiving. It sounds like I beat my enemies. Is that really what's going on here? Is that what she really means? Or how about this? Al-tarbu tedabru gavoa gavoa. People shouldn't speak too much. Because, you know, you might be high, but sometimes you, you're all high and mighty, and then it comes crashing down. Right? Who is she talking to? Who is she talking about? She's talking about Penina. She's saying some people, they think they've got it made. They're at the top of the world, but they didn't come crashing down. The best way to view the world is it's a wheel. But a wheel has to constantly be turning. And you might be at the top right now, but that doesn't mean that your turn won't come to be on the bottom. It's, it's a, a very important message. But again, is that what we expect? Tfilat Chana, again, it's Shirat Chana is this beautiful Shira that we sing. Right? Shalat has a nice take on it. There might be other song singers that, that take pieces of it. It's beautiful. It's the Haftorah of Rosh Hashanah. It's supposedly powerful. And yet, this is what it is. You, Penina, you thought you were all high and mighty. But guess what? In the end, you lost. I won. End of the game. I don't know. Is that really the message? And this one is really a hard one. Until... The one, the barren one, myself, gave birth to seven. And the one with all the children, umlala, had nothing left. Rashi quotes the Medrash that says, actually, what happens? Chana has five children. And Penina originally had ten children. And each time Chana had a, a child, two of Penina's children died. So finally, Penina's like, wait, stop, stop, stop. So she says, Davin for me that no more of my children will die. Chana actually has five children. Pina's last two are saved, but they're considered to be the children of Chana because of this. Uh, again, that's the message. God takes the poor and lifts him up. From the heaps of garbage, Yarim Evyon, a poor person that would be picking through the garbage. There's nothing more demeaning than that. Me'ashpot Yarim. God lifts him up. Lo'shiv im nedivim. To sit him with nedivim, with princes. Now that pasuk probably sounds very familiar. Because we say, Me'kim me'afardal me'ashpot Yarim Evyon, lo'shivi im nedivim, im in Hallel, it's from Sefer Tehillim. And so the question we really have to ask ourselves is that last line, is that a little bit of a help to us? 
Where is this song? Where are these words coming from? Let's take a look at one last Pasuk. This is the very end, the, the closing line of Shirat Chano is Vitain Oz Limalko. She gives strength to the, his king. The, this, this boy should give strength to his king. The Yarein and, and Karen Mishicho and lift up the, the Karen, the one that was anointed by him. Also, what's going on? We're talking about a tefillah that she makes on a two-year-old child that's just been handed over to the Mishkan. And what's she saying? Kings? That's what she's thinking. She, she's talking so far down. Seems very hard. That's what we're talking about. And also, just to take this one step further, if you're familiar with Sefer Shmuel, you know that Shmuel opposes the notion of kings. So his mom is saying, ah, he's going to be Mamlech the king. Not, not one, but two. And, and Shmuel himself is like, what? So who wrote this? Who wrote this tefillah? We call it Tefillat Chana. Shirat Chana. But is it really the song? Is it really the tefillah of Chana? And, and, and by that we could mean one of two things. First possibility is that it was written by Chana, but Chana actually had other sources where she took some of these psukim from. It's one possibility. The other possibility is that it's actually written much later on. And it, it's expressing somewhat of what Chana felt, what Chana knew, but it's not actually they're not actually her words. So let's take a look. Kafal hadavar ki amelchu amashiach amrachan ezel derech nevua ol derech kabala ki aita kabala tzla ki atid liot melch b'israel. I believe that this is the opinion of the Radak. And what she's saying is that she's doubling it up. Kiamelech or Mashiach, it's the one that's anointed. And Chana says it's either a Nevua, so if it's Nevua, like we said at the beginning, so then everything she says is great. Not to worry about it. She has no, it's prophecy. God puts the words in her mouth. She might not even understand the full extent of what she's saying. Or maybe Derech Kabbalah, Kiyata Kabbalah, it's like Yatil Yot Melech Bisel, that the king should have the strength, the the power to avenge, to, to, to save the Jewish people from their enemies. And she's alluding to the fact that perhaps or she's prophesizing without even knowing the fact that the hope is that her son would be the one to actually anoint the king. Okay, so there's three possibilities for this. Possibility number one, which the Radak suggests, and others as well, is it's prophecy. Now the beauty of saying that this is prophecy is nothing matters, because it's not really her words. If God puts words in my mouth, I don't have to understand what the words are. But God is putting these in. Now, will I understand it? 
Is it intended for my audience in, in a week, a month, year, a hundred years to appreciate what I say? All possibilities. But Hannah doesn't actually have to understand fully what she's saying because it's a prophecy for the generations. That's one possibility. An interesting possibility that Rabbi Alex Israel suggests, also of Amnon Bazak, is that there are famous prayers. We look at Tehillim and we assume that all of Tehillim was written by, by David Melech. It's hard to imagine that. In fact, if you read certain Prakim of Tehillim, and I'm sure I, I am not the only one nowadays that's reading a lot more Tehillim than ever before, but some of the Prakim of Tehillim you read, and they're about events that might have happened well before David. So you, you sit there and wonder, like, why? Why does he have to talk about Yitzias Mitzrayim? He's hundreds of years later. And you have, you have Prakim of Tehillim that talk about much further on. We have Al Naharo Pavel. He's talking about on the rivers of Babylon. Did he prophesize that there the Levian would say, Yerushalayim wasn't even built yet. And they're already talking about that. So maybe it's possible that some of the Prakim the overwhelming majority are David's work. Some of it is work of other people as well. It's a possibility. But there is a fascinating possibility. And that is that there are these Pseudo Tehillim. They're Prakim of Tehillim, pieces of Tehillim that actually existed prior to David Melech. And people used them in their Tfilo. The, what, what David Melech did was he took them and he put took a little of this, a little bit of that, and he puts it into its proper place. And that would explain why we have the idea of Mekimi Me'afardal, which is a famous line that we're all familiar with. And we find it here. Bazak spends a lot of time going through five or six, at least, Prakim of Tehillim. And he says, you know, if you read the, the opening line of it, it's saying, this is David HaMelech's um, thought when this event happened, when he's chased out by, by Avshalom, his son, when Bathsheba comes in front of him and insists that Shlomo become the king. Big events. And then there's like, afterwards, there's like a prayer. And some of it is like consistent with the theme you would expect in that context. And other parts of it, you sit there and it's like, Asma, what is, what's the connection? Why is that there? Why? Because David Melch incorporated some famous tefillot into a nice package that fit the mo- mood of that moment. And perhaps in that moment, that's the tefillah he chose to say. So that's another possibility. And if that's the case, then we understand why we understand why Chana is saying things that aren't necessarily exactly the mood of thank you Hashem for this kid. But she's saying, look, I feel that tefillah A, B, and V, they're just good tefillah for the moment. So I'm going to use them. Wasn't really such a fan of X, took it out. Why? Not so much. See as well. That's that's a possibility. So she takes these current tefillot, turns it into a little bit of a challenge, and it's the tefillot that we call Shirat Chana. Another possibility, and this is fascinating, is that there is a parak of Tehillim that at the very end, there is a there's two psukim that discuss the destruction and the rebuilding of the, of the Mikdash. So like, what, what, what does that have to do? The, the Mikdash wasn't even built. Zach would be talking about the destruction and the rebuilding of it. 
Bazak suggests that they're add-ons. David wrote it begado. But later on, people wrote, people looked at it and they added these two psukim on as a good fit for the mood of this parak of Tehillim. Says of Amnon Bazak, perhaps it suggests the same thing here. The very end, the king's anointing, it didn't happen yet. He's two years old. Why is it there? Because later on, when Sefer Shmuel was finally written and it was put on the bookshelf, so to speak, as a final work, they just felt that these psukim were just appropriate. We're talking, we're reflecting now backwards and saying, look at Shmuel, this boy at two years old that she put into the Mikdash, look at who he becomes. He actually becomes someone that does what? He's the anointer of kings. He's the one that takes us from this place and moves us into a very, very, very different place. Okay, I hope, I hope that that was um, workable for everyone. Now let's pick up in Perek Bet Pasagud Aleph. I hope that you can all agree with me that we covered the first 10 psukim well enough. Check off that we actually did these psukim. Um, because someone said to me that we're not covering all the psukim, and I, I really felt like it's not true. We actually have covered all the psukim minus the biblical poetry. So once again, I feel like we're close enough to say we've learned them. Pasuk Yod Aleph. Vayelech el ramatal beito. El goes home. And he, Shmuel, stays back there. The next lot of psukim, 15, 16 psukim, are actually an interesting um, parallel. We have the sons of Eli and Shmuel, and we'll bounce back and forth. So we're told that what? The Nar, he's He's completely dedicated to Eli HaKohen. But the sons of Eli are B'nai B'lial. Now we had that phrase, B'lial, in Perak Aleph, where Hannah is going to Davin in front of the, the Mikdash. Eli watches her and she's she's crying out and, and she he accuses her of being drunk. And she says, I'll do not consider me to be a bat blial. He gives her scathing criticism. We're going to see in just a little bit. There's not much of criticism for his sons. But they are, in fact, B'nai Blial. Lo yadu et Hashem. They didn't know God. Now, what is it that they do? What is it that they do that is so bad? Take a look at Pasuk Yud Gimel. The, the law that these koanim imposed upon the nation is called ish zoveyach zevach. Anyone who is zoveyach zevach, who is bringing a korban, uva nar hakoein kivashel basar, one of the young men, one of the young koanim would come as the meat was cooking. Hamazleg shlosha shinaim biado. And what, what did they have? They had a pitchfork like instrument that they would then stick into the pot and whatever it would take out that's what they would get that pitchfork that you're looking on the uh on the screen and yes i know the people on spotify can't see it so but the the picture of the pitchfork you can get at home depot if you want for 81 dollars and 63 cents but they would take this pitchfork and they would stick it into the pot 
and they'd grab the meat out. They would hit the kior, which is a type of pot, obadud, or a different type of pot, obakalachat, or another one, farur. They would hit the different types of ancient cooking utensils, different types of pots. And what would they do? Um, Whatever came out in the fork was theirs. They did that to every single Jew that came down to Shiloh. This Nar Kohen would stick the fork in and whatever meat he took out of there was his. This was the laws of the Kohanim. Now I need to take a look at the Pasuk in yellow. This is a Pasuk from Devarim. Devarim uh, discusses the Korbanot. And this is what it says. Almost the same language. From those that would bring a Korban. It is uncanny how similar the language is. If it is a shorim seven, what would they give to the Kohen, the Zeroah, the jaw? I'm sorry, the Zeroah, the, 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 the shoulder, which is the jaw, on the stomach. Three pieces that the Kohen got. Now listen to how interesting it is. It was Vinatan la Kohen. The Kohen would get it. And here, this is not the Kohen getting it, but the Kohen, and not even the Kohen themselves, but the Nar would come, jab the fork in, and say, this is what I want. It's terrible. And can imagine him banging on a pot. What kind of world is this? The Malbim says the following. He says, This is a terrible injustice. This pitchfork, they're getting a big chunk of meat. And not one, but each piece would get another big chunk of meat. Three chunks of meat. And that they weren't mochal on. It was an embarrassment, and they took it against their will. You're supposed to go. The Kohen is supposed to go and take from Shulchan Hashem. That's not what happened. And there's another piece also. See, we're told here that there is the Kior, the Dude, the Kalachat, and the Parur. Four different types of pots. Big pot, medium pot, smaller pot, tiny pot. But they they stuck the same fork in and took huge quantities from any of them. The injustice of it is that they They did this to everyone that came to Shiloh. Didn't make a difference, poor or rich. You have a rich guy, okay, he's got a massive cow in there, so you take three big pieces. Okay, so it's not the three pieces that you're entitled to. So it's not according to the Torah. But you have a poor guy, he brings a carbon, it's going to be his food for his family. These people never eat meat. And they finally have a chance to eat something, a more mechubad meal. And by the time they're left, by the time they get to the pot, there's nothing left. Why? Because that, that mazleg, that this Nar Kohen came, took it all out. It's terrible. 
It's the injustice. Not only that, but before the chaylev, before the fats were burnt, Give us meat. We want raw meat, not cooked meat. Why? They want to cook it to their specifications. Ailey's sons want to eat a good piece of meat cooked the way they want to cook it. Not some boiled meat that's sitting in a pot. It's not going to taste so good. That's what they're saying. So listen to what the people said in Pasuk Tetzayim. Vayorei lav ha'ish katariak tirun kayom We got to burn the fats first. And then you can take whatever you want. And they would say to him, no, give it to us now. If not, I'll take it with force. The people complained because they were saying, what you're doing is neged halacha. They're saying, we don't care. We want it now. They didn't complain that Chafni and Pinchas were taking the food. They were okay and accepting of that. But they say, come on, let's do this the right way. Could you imagine the regular people turning to the Kohanim, who are supposed to be the rabbinic figures, the teachers, and saying, Rebbe, but it says in the Torah to do it this way. And what, what are their representatives saying? Titanli now. That's what really bothered them. They were bothered by the injustice that was done to God. Pasuk Yud Zion. Pasuk Yud Zion. So what happens? This was really bad in the eyes of God. Big sins. Now why are we so bad about this? So two possibilities. One possibility is it's against halacha. And it bothered the people. But not the Kohanim. The other possibility is they didn't show up, but they sent their servants. If It's your job. You're the one to go. And not only that, but there's another piece to it. There's the piece of your, the Kohen is actually supposed to get it, not take it. It's my, it's the gift that I, as the macro of carbon, give to the Kohen. There's a difference between getting a gift and taking your own gift. It's not taking your gift. Okay. So those are the problems. That's why it's so bad. But now all of a sudden we take a break. You have this young boy, Shmuel. He's the Misharet Hashem, which again, we had at the beginning in Pasuk Yud Aleph. And he's Chagur Efod Bad. And he's wearing a nice little coat. Where did he get the coat from? His mother would bring up a new coat every single year. When Elkanah would go up to bring the carbon. Now it's interesting. I said last week in the name of Rav Yigal Ariel that miyamim yamima means what? They do the same thing over and over again. It's rote. It's repetition. And I said the, the, the amazing thing about Chana is kind of breaks in that. She says, no, we're not going to do it just the way we've been doing for all these years just because. We're going to do it differently. We're going to do it in a, in a way that's going to break the mold. She broke the mold. She had her kid. But now she doesn't say, okay, now it's time to revolutionize the next part of Judaism. She goes, now, now that I have what I want, God is giving me this gift. Baruch Hashem, thank you, thank you. 
I can go back to being a miyamim, miyamim, achu. I can go back to doing the same thing. Every single year, she brought it up, a new coat, a size bigger, a little bit more, because Shmuel himself has grown. I want you to remember this, this uh, coat, because in 26 prakim, 26 week, weeks from now, we will be many, many months from now, about five and a half to six months from now, we're going to circle back to that coat. And if you remember it, I'll be impressed. And if you remember it, tell me then. Uh, but more than that, if you remember it, I think you'll have a greater appreciation. I actually stuck a a, uh, a, a post-it note in there, 26 prakim later, to remind me of the connection to here. And Eli blessed Elkan and his wife. God should give you children in the place of this child that you've given up. She ends up having three boys, two girls, and Shmuel was, grew up with God. Now he has a coat. There's another kid that has a coat. The coat of many colors. And that we, in both cases, we have a woman who's an akara. There's a child that's born after a long time and they each get a coat. But it is interesting. That's the compare. The contrast though is that coat is a source of grief to the brothers. It's a source of grief to the entire family. It's in fact a source of grief to the Jewish people that maybe even has reverberations and we feel echoes of it to this very day. Shmuel's aphod, his coat, it's a coat of friendship. It's a coat of love. There's nothing in it ever that makes us feel that there's something wrong with it. It does not create any jealousy Everybody gets along. Let's take a look now at the third sin. We ping-pong back. Shmuel, b'nei Eli. Shmuel, b'nei Eli. The Eli zakein mo'od. Eli is very old. The Tzudas David says he's very old, and therefore it's a little bit of a... Um, it's a little bit of a dan uh, He gets a little bit of a pass. See, because he was so old, he didn't have the strength to really tell off his children. He heard what his kids were doing to the Jewish people. Presumably, the other the sins that they had committed with the uh, animals and taking from the korbanot and the pot and the fats. And that they would the women at Sovot Petach Oel Moed that were by the Petach Oel Moed. That is, I, I there were two words there that I, I didn't want to translate, Yishkevun and Sovot. So let's start with Sovot. We, we, it's not a common word, but we have in Vayakel Pekude, Marot Sovot, when it talks about the um, the mirrors that made up the Kior, they're called the Marot Hatsovot. So there is an opinion that suggests that it's actually these are women that worked in the in the in the Mishkan, right? Even though we assume we, we always view it as it's really a man's place, the Mishkan. But maybe in the Mishkan there was a there was a group of women that worked there also. What did they do? They they slept with the women that worked in the Mishkan. Could you imagine 
about the sons of the Kohen Gadol Chafni and Pinchas, and they're sleeping with women that work in the Mishkan? How degrading. Degrading to the women, degrading to the place. They've turned this place that's supposed to be a makum of, of Kedusha into, unfortunately, a place of their own lust and orgies. That's one possibility. But there's another possibility also. And this is actually, let's take a look at the Radak. Rashi says almost the same thing. Yishkevun, kemash ma'o. The first pshat is, Pasha pshat. They slept with women that came to the Mikdash. It's terrible. I mean, there's no greater abuse of power than a woman who comes to the Mikdash and says, I need kapara. They say, oh, you want kapara? We'll give you kapara, but there's a price that you have to pay. And the woman's like, of course, it's the price that we have to pay. I brought my carbon. My carbon is going to bring me closer to Hashem. I actually heard a beautiful chat in the idea of carbonos this week when I was learning with one of my children for uh, for school. They're learning Sefer Vayikra. They quote Dr. Yonatan Grossman. He says that there is a, a, a separation in the world between us and God. When we bring a carbon, what we're trying to do is we're trying to, to, to bridge that gap. I take something here and I bring it up. I, I infuse um, Kedusha, spirituality, in something that's finite to connect me to the infinite. It's supposed to bridge the gap there. And that's how I'm supposed to come closer to God. So they come and they say, I, have, I brought my carbon, Chafni and Pinchas. And they're like, mm, that's not the, the payment that you're going to have to pay for your for your kapara, you're going to have to sleep with me. It's a horrible abuse of power. That's one possibility. Take a look at the, the second shot. They say, can't be. I mean, come on. There's, there's rape or adultery happening in the Mikdash. Can't be. Sleep with them. They brought their korban to Shiloh. These were women, women who had been pregnant, who were pregnant, gave birth. They had to now bring a korban in order to be mutter to their husbands. They came. Someone had to stay home and watch the kids. So they came with. The, they came by themselves to bring the korban. And if they got their korban in today, they can go home and be with their husbands. And the B'nai Eli said, I'm sorry, we're not going to get to you. Spend the night here, sleep in the hotel, and uh, tomorrow we'll bring your carbon. So he says that they're, because they didn't allow them to come back to their husbands in their proper time, it is the Ke'ilu Shachavum. It's as though they slept with them. Rabbi Alex Israel has a beautiful explanation of this. And it's consistent with the first two sins. What were the first two sins? It was their lust for meat. First, they wanted to grab a good piece of meat. And then the second one is they couldn't wait. And now can they wait, but they say, I want to cook my way. Not boiled meat for old people. I want a good, good steak grilled to perfection. And you have a long line, says Alex says, oh, people are bring their korbanos. You've got, Ruvain's got massive cow. Behind them is someone that's got a goat, a sheep, a lamb. These women came with korbanos. The the words is kinayim. That is 
the the type of carbon that they were bringing. They were bringing birds. That's what Rashi Rashi says that Shetiran Kinehem. They want to bring their birds. That's what would get them their 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 kapara. Says watch out, says it by Alex Israel. Cow, goat, bird. What they do? You with the cow, come on up. Now all of a sudden another person comes with the cow. Fourth person online. They're like, no, no, you come also. And then they're like, oh, okay, fine, we'll deal with the sheep. But now two goats are online. Come, come, come. The woman with the birds, the most insignificant carbon. Wait, 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 wait. And sometimes those women have to wait a day or so, maybe even longer, until B'nai Eli were like, okay, fine. We're satiated. We'll allow the uh, the birds to come. And so that's what happens. So listen to what Eli says to them. I hear these things that you're doing. I really don't like what I'm hearing. The 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 words, the rumors about you, the shmua is not good. You know, listen, if you do something to man between man and man, okay. But you're doing things that are bad between you and between you and God. That's not acceptable. Rav Bazak says something really, really wild. He says, what was Eli concerned about? Eli says, yes, I know. I know that you're doing things. I could look the other way. But this is the Niktash. It's a holy place. How in a holy place could you do what you're doing? It's not acceptable. Eli's concern was with the Mikdash, the sanctity of it. So what happens? He says, I can be mochel on the cover of people, but I'm not willing to be mochel on the cover of the Mikdash. That's why he waits until he hears this. He hears that they're whatever that means, they're doing something to desecrate the sanctity of the place. He says, that's not okay. The problem is that this attitude that he has, it hits his children also. His children say, oh, Abba says, listen, one matters more than the other. Well, you know what? We feel the opposite. Or we feel, listen, if one doesn't matter, the other one doesn't matter. And they say, we don't care about the Kedushas Hamishkan or the Kedusha of the people. What ends up happening? That's why, what's the very, the net, and that's why it's by the third sin that Eli pipes in. But right after that, what do we hear? He's good. The people like him. He's beloved. He's holeich begadel. He's growing while they're not. And it's not only with Hashem, but Pinadam Lachaveiro. Eli says it's one or the other. I I prioritize Pinadam Lachaveiro. Bnei Eli say we don't care about either one. Shmuel says no, no. And then Pasuk Chavzayin. Pasuk Chavzayin is a prophecy given to Eli. And Ish Elohim comes to Eli. Rashi says, who's the Ish Elohim? It is Elkanah. I appear to your forefathers 
in the um, in the in in Egypt. It says Rashi to who your forefathers Eli. This is not the Jews big adol. This is your forefather Aaron Akoin. I came to him. And I chose him. Aaron, you're going to be the Kohen. To do all the Avod and the Mikdash. And they were chosen for bringing the Korbanot. Listen to the language they used. Bachor. Nasa. Allah. These are languages of uplifting. You're supposed, the Kohanim are supposed to be held up on a pedestal on a higher level. Lama tivatu bezivchiu minchati ashotziviti ma'on vatechabeda banecha mimen laviachem ereshi kol minchat yisalami. Why is it that you've allowed your sons to fatten themselves up, to make themselves healthy and, 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 and gazunt? And to be mechabe themselves at my expense. I had said that your family would be forever with me. But now I don't feel that anymore because I mechabe those that are that those that those that are mechabe me. I am mechabe. I honor them, but those that denigrate me, I, I'm going to turn them into nothings. The day will come. I'm going to cut off the arms of you and your household. And the punishment will be that no one in your family will have old age. You, Ailey, live to be an old to be an old man, but you're not, no one else will. Rashi says, what's what what's going on here? There's a lot of Mida connected Mida in this wrapped into this prophecy. Rashi says, Mida connected Mida. You ate the Korbanot before their time. You'll also die below Zman. Bazak says actually Ailey lived to be to be an old man. He didn't take advantage of it. He, he he failed in his old age. So his family forfeits their old age. The thing is that you're not going to call your your family will live old enough and long enough to actually see the transfer of power to another group of Kohanim. And that's sometimes the most the most pun, most uh, the most painful thing is to see your enemy win or to see you lose what, what you had. What's the proof? The proof that this is actually a true nevuah is Chafni and Pinchas will die on the same day. There'll be a Kohen that will replace you. And he will go righteously in the ways of God. It's going to happen in the days of David Amalek. David Amalek has a Kohen Gadol, Evyatar. Evyatar is replaced by none other than Tzadoka Kohen. His name tells you everything about him. He's Tzadik. There's a purity to him. The, the remnant of your family, what's going to happen? They're going to come, Lishtachavot Lo. To bow down in the mikdash, la gorot kesef, or 
a, 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 a small amount of money, the kikar lechem, and a little bit of bread. And they'll say, please, put me on shift. Find me some work in the Mikdash so I'll have something to eat. The Ra'al Bag says, there's more Midah Kenegah Midah. It's a small payment to survive. The Midah Kenegah Midah is, you agreed. You took more than you needed, and now you're going to be living off pennies. Rabbi Zak says, and with this will end, he says something amazing. He says the book of Shmuel and Malachim actually traced the story of this event. There is going to be a Kohen from the Bnei Eli. His name is Evyatar. Evyatar is the lone survivor of the city of Nova Kohanim that's killed, or he's a descendant of the lone survivor of the city of Nov, which is destroyed by Shaul. He's going to become the Kohen Adol. But what happens? He, he loses it to Tzadok. And Tzadok's family will maintain the, ko- the Kohuna and they'll be the Kohanim Gedolim into Bayit Sheni. Why? Because there is something incredibly important for us to know about Tzadok. Tzadok is not only a Tzadik, like his name implies, but Tzadok is loyal. Tzadok is the one that sticks by David in his old age he sticks with Shlomo, who's going to become the king, and they know that's the plan. Eviatar jumps ship and goes, He is loyal. And that is what's missing in Eli's family. What is most important to them in this parak? Their honor. That's what they're after. Salak says, it's not about my honor. Sometimes it's not about me. It's not about the position, because the position is something much bigger than me. Salak says, that's what I'm all about. I'm loyal to God. I'm loyal to David. I'm loyal to everyone. That is what Ailey's children needed. And so for generations, Ailey's children would die young and look at Sadok and his family, see his success as a gift towards his loyalty. Thank you again for joining us. Stay tuned for Paragimel next week and keep walking in the ways of the prophets.